as an investor, I am relatively risk averse. I have the patience to wade into situations that are complex and try to figure them out. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's... The interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best uh, lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Steve Rosenberg. How you doing, Steve? Okay, great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on. And a little bit about Steve. He is the CEO and founder of Greystone, which is a real estate lending investment and advisory company. They just closed on a $550 million Freddie Mac loan to refinance the largest residential tower in the United States. Needless to say, they've got some track record and experience that comes with them. Steve founded Greystone in 1988 as an independent investment banking firm and developed into a mature investment firm. So with that being said, Steve, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Thanks a lot, Joe. I was the head of housing finance at Dean Witter Reynolds before I started Greystone. And frankly, Dean Witter was a large company. There's a certain culture at large companies that is, you just have to be a certain kind of person to do well there. And you have to know how to play the politics and you have to fit into that culture. And I really didn't. So as I saw the writing on the wall and I saw that there really wasn't much of a future there for me, I decided to start Greystone and just started in the back of my friend's music store, trying to call potential clients and see if they would use me to refinance loans. And somehow through those conversations and some of the work I had done at Dean Witter before, started building up a small clientele. Over the years, and it's now it's been 30 years, what's really been interesting is that Greystone's been built into a fairly large institutional player. We've got in excess of 7,000 employees. What's really interesting, though, is that we've 
never raised any capital ever in our history. So even though we're a principal lender and our loan portfolio is about $26 billion at this point, we've never gone outside and raised equity. It's always been whatever profits we made or meager profits, certainly at the beginning that we made, we invested those back in the company. And what's maybe the most amazing fact of all, Joe, is that throughout our history, we believe in enhancing the lives of others. And at least 50% of our profits have always gone to charitable causes. So every year, no matter how well or not well we did, at least 50% of the profit that we made went to help other people's lives and just enhancing other people's lives. So in spite of the fact that I myself am pretty much an introvert and we've never raised any equity, in every year we've given away at least half of our profits. Notwithstanding all of that, somehow there's a certain magic to helping other people. And notwithstanding all of that, again, the company just keeps growing. I was going to ask you to clarify if it was 15 or 50, and then you said half. So obviously I know the answer. 50%, that is incredible. In 1998, you were giving away half of your profits to charity? In 1988. Yeah, uh, I did it again. (laughs) 1988. That's right. Yes. When we were making almost nothing, at least half went out. And these days, we're giving more than half. The mission of the company is to do what we do well, and that's doing business. But that's just the mechanism for generating profits that we can give away to help other people live a better life. So I would say that we're not great loud institutional givers. So there are great, whether or not it's the Red Cross or whether or not it's the American Cancer Society or other great, great not-for-profits, that's not the target of our giving. What we do is we have a network literally around the world where families that fall on hard times, whether or not it's a child that gets sick that needs an operation or whether or not it's a new kind of cancer therapy that has come out but hasn't yet been approved by the insurance companies, We'll just step up, write the check, and just help the situation. So we really target families and individuals that were it not for us being able to do what we do, they just wouldn't be able to get help anywhere. And it's incredibly fulfilling and empowering. But the bottom line is the mission of the company is not to enrich me or the other senior managers. The mission of the company is really to help other people. How do you choose where you give? You said you have a network, so can you elaborate on that? Sure. We have a network of people literally around the world, whether or not it's in Europe, in the Middle East, even in Asia, even Australia, where somehow, whether or not it's a rabbi or a priest or a nun, we had heard that in Cameroon, for example, there was unfortunately a high percentage of AIDS in the population. And you had children walking the streets that because both parents had passed away and there was a sense in the community that because both their parents died of AIDS, that somehow they were contagious. And so even their relatives didn't take them in. So there was a a nun that opened up a home for them. It wasn't an orphanage where they were going to be adopted, but it was just a home. And so we had heard about this and we had heard about what she was doing and She was taking care of 45 kids at the time. We looked into it. We gave them the money to build the capacity to take 250 kids. So that was in Cameroon. We brought kids that needed 
operations that we heard about in Australia. So it's kind of interesting. Once you put yourself out there and people know that you want to help, things come to you. I think that's kind of the karma or a certain energy. But when you want to help people, the cases come in. And we've never had a problem having to advertise that we want to help people. It's just people find out and cases come in. I'm going to ask you to speculate. And as a person who's been in the real estate lending business for 30 plus years, you might not like it, but I'm still going to ask you to do it and just play along with me for a second. Your company has a loan portfolio of $26 billion plus dollars, yes? Right. What would you guess your loan portfolio would be today if instead of giving 50% over the last 30 years, 50% plus, you gave 10%. What's interesting, Joe, is that I attribute the success of the firm to our giving. So I think if you ask me, I think there's a great chance that had we not given all of this money away, we might not even be in business. The fact that we weathered the Great Recession of 2007, 2008, 2009, when banks were left and right pulling credit lines from us, and it was just a very, very difficult time. And we don't have any large institution behind us. There's no insurance company, pension fund, or any institutional investors. It's just us. The fact that we were able to survive that time and just keep growing, notwithstanding the fact that we're giving so much money away, I actually attribute our success and our growth to our giving. And, and so I wouldn't be surprised if we weren't even in business if we hadn't done it. And digging a little bit deeper in that, because I assumed you're going to go with that approach, and I love it, and I'd just love to learn more about why you say that. And maybe speak to the analytical best ever listener who's listening to you, like, yeah, yeah, but why are you saying that? How is there a cause and effect? How do the numbers shake out? Well, I would say this. Cause and effect, if I try to establish a cause and effect, which I'm always reticent to do, I don't think that I can logically prove it. But okay. if you just look back on history and you say we started with nothing, we're giving most of it away, and I can assure you that I am not an extrovert. It's hard for me to ask anyone to do anything. There is no logical explanation for how the company has grown the way it has. There just isn't. By the same token, what I can tell you is that so much of business is, sure, you want to be smart and you want to make the right decisions, but so much of it is being at the right place at the right time, having someone like you that didn't have to like you, having the market going in your favor when it didn't have to. There's just so much that has to go right for businesses to prosper. It's just my sense that things fall into place even when you would expect that they wouldn't and when they certainly don't have to. It's my personal feeling that I attribute that to our philanthropy and the fact that we really just love other people and feel like we're in business to help people. And I understand that there may not be a business case for that, except that there's a book that recently came out. Adam Grant is a professor at University of Pennsylvania at Wharton. And Adam came out with a book called Givers and Takers, where Adam makes the business case 
for extending yourself for others just creates positive business environment and actually creates successful business. So I would just recommend that that best ever listener that's out there right now that's scratching his head, rolling his eyes or her <laughs> eyes and saying, hey, this is just a bunch of malarkey, pick up the book. And what I can tell you is that my career and my history with the firm is evidence that the book is right. What's been a tough decision that you've had to make with this company over the last 30 years? The hardest decisions that I have to make are ones that affect people's lives. And sometimes people come to Greystone and we expect great things from them. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. To have to have that conversation with someone where we know that they'll be better off at a different place because either they don't fit the culture here or that for whatever reason, the skill set that is required to do this job is not the skill set that they have, but the skill set that they do have could be very well utilized at a different company. Having that conversation, I find, is the hardest conversation to have because, again, I feel like I'm here and our company is here to enhance the lives of employees and other people in the outside world. And, you know, whenever you have to have a conversation where you're telling someone it's just not working out, that's a tough conversation to have. And we try never to surprise anybody with that, but those are the hardest times. Those are the hardest parts of my job. And what's your approach in that conversation? Well, I think you always want to be kind because what you're really doing is sure the conversation that you're having is for the company's best interest, but it's also the individual's best interest. And people do well at jobs that they love. I think you rarely find a situation where someone does extremely well at something that they don't love or that they don't do well at something that they're absolutely in love with. So I think the idea is to be as kind and gentle and not only that, as helpful as possible in finding their next job. But I think that trying to help them do that, trying to be kind and supportive to them, and also giving people constant feedback, because no one should ever be surprised when someone tells them that it's time to find another position. And if they are surprised, it only means that the management of the firm hasn't been giving them the feedback that every employee deserves. Every employee coming into work every day needs to know whether or not they're a rock star or whether or not they're failing at their job. And if they don't know that, then shame on the management because that's what they owe every employee. I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I mentioned it in the intro, and that is you all close on a $550 million Freddie Mac loan to refinance the largest residential tower in the U.S., which is in Manhattan. Tell us about that. This is a project that was done by the Moynihan Group, which is one of the best-known development companies in New York, and they create a very high-end properties. And this was on 42nd Street on the west side of Manhattan. This was a tower. It was a very creative financing. It was about $550 million, as you mentioned, and it's again one of the largest transactions ever done by Freddie Mac. And that is one of the things that Greystone does. The loans that we do are generally guaranteed by either HUD, which is a U.S. government agency, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, or Fannie Mae, which is another kind of 
government-related entity or Freddie Mac. This loan was guaranteed by Freddie Mac. And again, very proud of the financing. And I think the owners, the Moynihan Group, was very happy with it. And we were very happy with it. And so was Freddie Mac. This may be a tough question to answer, but as objectively as you can be, why do you think they selected your group versus two or three other groups that I'm sure they were looking at? I think that when you think about Greystone and the fact that we started with nothing, give most of our profits away, and still have grown, I would say that the one thing that we do that others don't is, besides the fact that everyone works hard, I think we work harder. I think there's very little business that we get because we just say, give us a shot. We always are bringing something to the table that the competition doesn't. We use our capital and our balance sheet, I would say, more aggressively and more creatively than any other lender in our space. Sometimes we're doing a loan for a client and the loan falls several million short. We'll use our own capital to fill in that gap because we don't want the client to be disappointed and we want to have a successful financing. Lots of times we're financing an acquisition for a client and one of the client's investors falls out at the 11th hour. We use our own capital to fill in the gap and fund that amount of that lost investor and we'll give the client six months to find another investor or a year to find another investor. So we are constantly doing the double and triple backflip to accommodate clients. And I think that's the reason that people come to us. We're not just creative and we don't just work hard. We put our money where our mouth is and we're constantly doing things that the competition literally, if they had to do it, they would just get nauseous. <laughs> but we do that constantly. And we always feel that we've got to prove ourselves every day. And we do. We're constantly doing things that others won't even consider doing. In fact, we created a special group inside Greystone called Special Situations because borrowers and clients, all sorts of things happen in the 11th hour where we've got to come up with a bunch of cash to help a client out. And we do. And it was happening so consistently and so often that we just created a special group called Special Situations. It's got its own group leader. And when those situations come up, we know we've got to respond within 24, 48 hours or within a very short period of time. So we're prepared to do it. Based on your experience in the industry, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? You know, it's interesting. I've always said that when we invest in real estate as well, we own a portfolio of almost 8,000 apartment units and we manage those. And we have a portfolio of skilled nursing facilities also, and we manage those. I don't want to have to be too smart to this investment. I need to see a clear road to success before we take the risk. So I would say, as an investor, I am relatively risk averse. I have the patience to wade into situations that are complex and try to figure them out, but I don't want to have to be a genius and guess at where markets are going to go before I get into a transaction. So I'd like to be able to be conservative and not genius-like at all and still see the profitability in a transaction. Don't want to have to be that smart. We're going to do a best ever lightning round. You ready for a lightning round? 
Okay. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Okay, Steve, best ever book you've read? A book that I recommend to everyone is a book called Peace Like a River. What I love about that book, it is a novel. What I love about it is the author uses commonly used words, but he puts them together in very uncommon ways. I am such a fan of how human beings communicate with each other. I feel like lots of times I'm talking to someone and as I'm listening to them, I can just tell that there's something in their brain that they want to say to me. And they're not looking to see whether or not I'm really understanding what they're saying. So I think communication is a very unique skill. I don't think too many people have it. And I think the author in this book, Peace Like a River, just communicates in such a unique and effective ways using small words. Best ever deal you've done? I think the best deal I've ever done is hiring the senior management that supports me and supports the firm. I think it's all about the people. And I think the best deal I've ever done is hiring people that are not just hard workers and creative, but have huge hearts and are just generally kind and generous and good people. That's clearly the best deal I've ever done. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? The greatest mistakes I've made on transaction was thinking that I could protect myself with documents. I saw that a client wasn't behaving in an upright or forthright way, and I felt like my lawyers were good enough and I was good enough to structure the transaction so that I couldn't get hurt. I've never failed to be disappointed whenever I thought too much of my ability to structure the right transaction. If a client doesn't have integrity and they are not people that you would want to do business with, it's best not to do business with them. That's been my mistake. I've always thought too much about our ability to structure around a lack of integrity. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your company? The best way is probably our website, which is grayco.com. It's G-R-E-Y-C-O.com. And I'm Steve Rosenberg. I'm extremely accessible and I'm happy to help or talk to anyone it doesn't have to result in business for Greystone. Again, I'm here to help people live better lives. And if I can be helpful to anyone that's listening or to you, Joe, I'm happy to do that. Very refreshing conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed our time together, Steve. Thank you for talking about your business approach throughout the last 30 plus years. At least 50% of the profits have gone to charitable causes. And while you certainly weren't doing that with the intention of getting a dollar amount in your portfolio, which is now $26 billion. 
we kind of reverse engineered that in the hypothetical scenario and perhaps you, you wouldn't even be in business if you didn't take that approach. You might be not giving yourself enough credit, but I know where you're coming from. And you talked about the book that Adam Grant wrote, Givers and Takers. We'll check that out. And you talked about the bunch of intangibles in business that have to go right for a business to prosper. And basically, you're building up your karma bank by taking this approach. So thank you for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.